Hey, what comes to mind when you hear this sound? This sound. There you go. What comes to mind? Dread? Is it, is, is it like, ugh. Is it just this sense of frustration, like you got to be kidding me? Is it that time already? I don't know about you, but um, I hate it. Like, I, I don't like that sound. It, it's, uh, you know, typical, I think, for most of us to hit that snooze button. You know what, what I mean? Or, or um, just try to ignore it altogether. It's trying to just prolong the inevitable, isn't it? And yet, um, when you get up, how do you get up? Like, when you get up in the morning, do you sort of go through the, the first moments of your day with your eyes sort of half shut, like making your way to the bathroom, just trying to to get through, like, like you're sleepwalking, or you make it to the kitchen because you got to get that cup of coffee. Is that you? Are you one of those sleepwalker kind of people? Or are you that kind of person that just jumps right up? You know, the alarm goes up, you're, you're, you're ready, you are going, you are eager to tackle the day. I, I'm guessing most people are more like the sleepwalkers, right? Like you, you get up and you're, you're slowly going through the motions of the day. Well, we want to talk about this call that God has for us to wake up, to wake up, to stop sleepwalking through life. And to do that, we're going to continue through Romans chapter 13, and we're going to be in verses 11 through 14. So if you have a church Bible you want to follow along, it's page 1124. But we're going to look at the call to wake up, just like we were singing a moment ago. Now, this is how it begins in verse 11. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. You know, there's a, a lot in these four verses, so much here that, that I'm actually going to speak on this for two Sundays in a row. This Sunday, what we're going to focus on is, is really just mainly verse 11 here, and the call to wake up, to stop sleepwalking through life, if you will. And then next week, we'll, we'll look at really how is it we're supposed to live, why are we supposed to live this way. So um, again, two weeks, same verses, so be prepared for that. Now, remember the context here. It's always important to understand the context. If you go back to Romans chapter 12, remember we were called to... Uh, to really live differently in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices of praise. Um, that's our, our spiritual act of worship. It's, it's in view of this love of Jesus and the fact that he sacrificed his life for ours, that he paid for the sin and, and just the penalty that we deserved, and that um, because of his not only his death but his resurrection, that we have this hope, we have this promise that we can overcome sin, and we can overcome death, that we don't have to fear those things any longer. And so we should live our lives like he lived his life. 
That's the response. That should be our rightful response, that we offer our lives just as he offered his. Now, last week we talked about God's call to, to love others, to, to love our neighbors. We even define our neighbors as, as anybody that's near us. So anybody that's near you, you know, maybe it's your next door neighbor, maybe it's somebody you live with, maybe it's the guy, again, that tailgated you on the way to church here, you know, that's your neighbor, whoever you happen to come in contact with. And so we're called to, to love them, but I, I get a sense and a, a, maybe a little fear that after that, that message, we just sort of hit the snooze button, you know, try to just forget that we even heard that, because loving our neighbor isn't always that popular, especially when they're not very lovable. Some of us have just slept, walk, sleepwalked through the, the week, if you will. Like we're going through the motions of loving our neighbors, but we're not really doing it um, with a sense of excitement, with a, a sense of urgency. And so I don't think that we're unique. I don't think that is unique of any of us. In fact, I think it's common for most people, and that's the reason that God wanted this written down. This is why he wanted this written down and read and put into practice for generations and generations to come. This is a message that's not just for us, but for all men and all we women, and it's a time, it's a call to wake up, to stop sleepwalking through life. Now, look again at verse 11 with me. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is near now than when we first believed. Have you ever overslept? Your mom or your dad or your spouse comes in and they wake you and they're like, wake up. Like, you've overslept. You're going to be late for school. You're going to miss the bus. You're going to miss this appointment. Has that ever has that happened to everybody, I would think? You remember the, the anxiety of that? Oh, no. And, and you jump up and, and you run. You're not even sure where you're running at that point. You know, and you're, you're just, you're frantic, right? Well, I think that's the message that God has for us. There's this sense of urgency. He's saying, wake up. Wake up. You're, you're late. You're about to miss this. And what is it he's talking about? Well, he says our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And so I read that, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I thought salvation came the moment that we pray to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry for, for all the wrong that I've done, and would you come into my life, and would you forgive me of my sin? I, I thought, like, I just needed to pray this prayer. That's the day of salvation. Like, what do you mean that it's nearer today than when we first believed. And, and what he's pointing to is really that, that this salvation that we talk about, it's not just something that happens in one moment, but it's really more of a process. And the Apostle Paul talks about this process in Philippians chapter 2. And he said this, he said, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so, contrary to popular belief, salvation is not just simply, although it does begin, like when we pray this prayer, but it's really a process. It's not like we just pray a prayer and then we go live however we want. No, it's this daily coming to God. 
this daily being transformed. It's, it's, it's God working this out in us. It's God working, in, and he's changing us from the inside, and then he begins to work that out on the outside. We begin to live differently because we're called to a greater purpose. And, and the beautiful thing here is, is that um, he wants to use us in this process. What is his good purpose? Well, his good purpose is that, that folks would come to know him and to, to embrace his love and to begin to, to live with him and to live with others, to share this good news as we sang about a moment ago. And so um, it's important, too, that we, we go forth and, and we share Jesus with others because there are people, believe it or not, in this world that don't know the name of Jesus, that have never heard about Jesus. There are are people, um, that, that's a complete foreign concept to them. Not so much in our context, right? Like most everybody has heard of Jesus, haven't they? Maybe it's in some profane tirade that they've heard the name of Jesus, but they've heard about this Jesus, right? But do they really understand how they're to relate to him? Do they really understand the difference that Jesus wants to make in their life? Why is it important to know Jesus and more than just knowing him, but following him? That's where we come in. That's, we're, we're, we're God's primary vehicle for communicating this good news. And we're called, again, just like we talked about in Romans chapter 12, that, that we're to, to live and love and lead like Jesus, that people will be watching us and what they should see in us is really Jesus. Now, the sad truth of, of it is uh, a lot of us have been asleep to this spiritually. Uh, a lot of us have been kind of sleepwalking through life where this relationship with Jesus, it's, it's not so prominent in our lives. A lot of times it, it's sad to say that people would look at us and they have no idea that we are a Christian. That we don't look that much different than the world around us. And some of us have just sort of gotten into this routine, if you will, this sleepwalking kind of lifestyle spiritually where, where maybe we make our way to church and we go through the motions there and maybe we even go to a life group or we have a, a morning devotion or something like that, but it really doesn't seem to be making that big a difference in our lives and how we live. And sadly, it, it hasn't compelled us. It hasn't given us this sense of urgency or excitement to share this relationship with Jesus with other people. And so I think that's why God is saying it's time to wake up. Stop sleepwalking in a spiritual sense through life. Wake up. The time is near. Now, um, here, here's the reality of it. This could be a sad reality or it could be a good reality that it's not going to be too long until every one of us sees Jesus face to face. From the youngest of us to the oldest of, it, of us, it's not going to be that long till we come face to face with Jesus. <clears throat> For some, it'll come because we physically die and we come face to face with Jesus. And that could be a really good thing or maybe not such a great thing, all right, depending on where you are in your relationship with him. For others, maybe we live to the point where we're still alive and Jesus comes again. And we come face to face with him. This is known as the second coming of Jesus. And I don't think we talk about that much in the church. Like we don't focus much on that. I know I haven't focused on it a whole lot. But that's um, something that's important that we want to look at this morning. 
Because throughout the Bible, you can go to the Old Testament, it talks about not only the first coming of Jesus, but also the second coming of him. And especially when you get into the New Testament, it talks about that event and the importance of it. But Jesus himself spoke about it. That's the beauty. Why he was still on earth, he spoke about him not only dying and raising from the dead, but him coming again, coming again a second time. And fortunately, we got guys like Matthew and Mark and Luke that were writing this stuff down. And so listen to what Matthew said as he recorded Jesus' words. This is in Matthew 24. And if you want, go read Matthew 24 and 25. It gives a lot more detail. I'm just going to give you some bits and pieces of it. But beginning in verse 36, again, this is Jesus speaking. He said, about that day or hour, no one knows. So he's talking about the second coming. So about the, the time of that, nobody knows. He says, uh, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So remember Noah, you know the story of Noah. Remember, it hadn't rained on earth. They hadn't experienced flooding up to that point. And yet God told Noah, I want you to build this ark because I'm going to bring this flood and it's going to wipe out all of humanity and and really all of life for the most part, and we're going to start afresh here. And, and this took years of him working, and, and everybody was mocking him and just didn't believe, well, that, that's never going to happen. And then what happened? Like that, it happened. And then it was too late. It was too late. And so he's saying, like, remember what happened to Noah and those folks? Like, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. It's time to wake up. Verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So Jesus is saying, Look, it's, it's time to wake up. you got to quit sleepwalking through life. I'm going to come again. And you're not going to know when, but you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared because if you aren't, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. And so that's the message that he has for us here. Um, and it's important, too, because he's he going to explain here in a second What's going to happen when he comes again? Matthew 25, if you look at beginning in verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate the people one from another as a shepherd shep separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, so you guys are the fortunate ones here this morning. We'll, 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 we're losing half part of the Hinkle family. I'm sorry about that. But anyhow, <clears throat> that's how it goes, right? You know, so if you're on the right, it says the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, 
Oh, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, doesn't that sound like your neighbor and how you're supposed to treat your neighbor? Like we were talking about last week, we're called to love our neighbor. These are practical ways that we love our neighbor. And then here's the interesting thing. So for all those on his, on his right, this is their response. So then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and, and feed you? Or thirsty and, and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly, I, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Anyone who is close to you. Anyone who is close to you. And, and as we love our neighbors, in, in essence, what we're doing is we're showing our love for God. We're showing our love for God. That's what we do. You can't separate our love from God, for God from our love for one another. So how are people going to know that you love me? By the way you love one another. And sometimes we want to separate the two. But he said you can't separate them. And so what you've done, you fortunate people over here on, on the right side, for the least of these, you, you've done it for me. You've done it for me. Now, it continues Verse 41, then he'll say to those on the left, I apologize, you know, for you guys. You're the left this morning. So this may be a wake-up call, all right? So here we go. He says, depart from me. Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I can see in the future everybody's going to sit over here, aren't they? You know, nobody's going to want to sit where you guys are anymore. But anyhow, he says, depart from me. Um, for, the, for eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and, and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They'll also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he'll reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Like, I don't like talking about that. That's why I probably don't talk about it that much. I don't like thinking about that. I mean, it just seems so incredibly harsh and unloving and, and yet jesus is is warning the folks back then but people for all generations he's warning you and i that it's, it's time to wake up like this is the reality of the situation and that when he comes again that there's going to be a separation and he's going to separate the followers and he's going to put them on his right hand side those who believe and follow after him. And he's going to separate the ones that have rejected him. And he's going to put them on the left side. And they're going to experience this eternal separation from him. And it's going to be hell. Literally. Hell. Yet, for those on the right, 
it's, it's going to be amazing. It, it's going to be paradise. It, it's going to be rejoicing. And I don't like to think about it, and I don't like to talk about it, and I think the same is probably true of most of us, but that's the reality, and that's the wake-up call, I think, that God has given us here in this passage. He's saying, wake up, because Jesus doesn't want anybody to suffer like that. That's why Jesus came in the first place. He came and suffered personally so that we would not have to suffer the consequences of sin eternally right and all we have to do is accept his offer of of forgiveness this offer of new and incredible eternal life what we have to do is embrace him and follow him that's all we have to do and yet many people reject him and to reject jesus is costly it will cost us here and now. Like if you've rejected Jesus to this point, you're missing out. You're missing out on a lot of fun. Like it, it is not <clears throat> drudgery to follow Jesus. It, it is a joy to follow Jesus. You, your life has so much greater purpose. Like we're called to that good purpose, to fulfilling that good purpose. It's awesome to be a follower of Jesus. So embrace it now. Don't think like, no, I want to have all my fun. And then later on, then I'll follow Jesus. Oh, that is going to be awful, you know, but I'll get, I'll try and get it in right before the end, right? <clears throat> you know, just at the last second, I'll believe and follow him. No, you're missing out. Like, it is so exciting, a life of purpose following him now. But if you don't, it may be too late. It may be too late. None of us know the day or the hour of a second coming any more than we know the day or the hour of our last breath, do we? No matter how young or how old we may be. And so there's a sense of urgency here. He's saying, wake up, wake up. Stop sleepwalking through this life for your sake and for others' sake. Remember this. Now, again, that's not an upbeat kind of message. And, You know, some of you may, may be listening to, to this and thinking, you know what, I am worn out. I am so tired. There was a survey um, that I was going to mention in the beginning that surveyed 2,000 Americans and uh, just recently and said three out of five of them said they've never been more tired. They've never been more tired in all their life. And, and I'm afraid that's sort of our state And so when you hear this, like, okay, you need to wake up and you need to start living for Jesus and living for the sake of others, if we're honest, we may be feeling like, I just, I can't do one more thing. I don't have room to add one more thing to my list. And and you're just tired. You're tired. You know, the thought of inviting people to, to come alongside of you and and walk through this, this life of following Jesus, you're like, I, I just, I don't know that I have time for that. I'm just tired. And the reality is, Jesus gets it. He gets it. That's why he thought it was so important for this to be written down for all generations. And, and the reality is also this, that the reason we're so tired, you know, physically, or spiritually is because I think we're doing the wrong things. We're filling our days with the wrong things. 
And we're also looking for rest in the wrong places. We're looking for rest in the wrong places. You are not going to find the rest you need through one week at the beach a year. That one week at the beach a year is not going to give you the rest you need. The way that you're going to find the rest that you need is by daily going to Jesus and encountering him and entering into his rest. That's where you're going to find the rest that you need. And that's why he said it. So Matthew recorded so many great things that Jesus said in Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, if you're physically and spiritually exhausted, I'm willing to bet that it's because you aren't coming to Jesus on a daily basis and finding your rest in him. If you're physically and spiritually exhausted, I'm willing to bet that you're yoked more closely with someone or something than you are with Jesus. If you're physically and spiritually exhausted, I'm willing to bet that you are carrying a burden that you are not meant to carry. A burden that Jesus is saying, would you give that to me? Let me carry that for you. I want to take that off of you. If you are physically and spiritually exhausted, the answer is to come to Jesus and to find rest in him. And the beautiful thing, too, is it's, it's an active kind of rest that he calls us to. It's not like just stop doing anything and be unproductive. He's like, no, I want you to enter into my good purpose, and, and I want to guide you each and every day, each and every moment of your life, if you'll just allow me. And you're going to find rest as you go. Rest as you go. I have a purpose for you. Enter in to my rest. Experience my good purpose for you. Now, I, I think it's time to wake up. I, I think we need to stop sleepwalking. I, I think we have to understand the urgency of having a relationship with Jesus and helping others to have a relationship with Jesus as well. And it's not burdensome. It should not be burdensome. It should be a joy. It should be a joy. And if it is burdensome, it's probably because we made it something that was never meant to be. All right? We need to look to Jesus. And um, I think one of the other things, this is what is, is unique to followers of Jesus. I think we can be looking forward to his second coming and even looking forward to our physical death. Like, those should not be days that we dread. Those should be days that we are anticipating, that we are excited for. With this hope and this assurance that when we come face to face with Jesus, these would be the words that we hear. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, I've, I've entrusted you with a little. Look what you've done with it. Now, come. I want to entrust you with so much more. I want to entrust you with so much more. Come come. 
and enter into my happiness. Experience the happiness that you brought me. Come. And so when you hear this sound from now on, I don't want you to dread it, all right? This is not the end of a good night's sleep. This is the beginning of a new day, of a new opportunity to wake up and be like, thank you, God. Thank you for a new day. Thank you that you have a new adventure waiting for me. And, and just, it's a wake-up call to say, Jesus, I, I want you to guide and direct every step I take. I want to be used by you. I want to enjoy your purpose. I want to enjoy your presence. Thank you. So when you hear that sound, May it remind you of the fact that our salvation, the day of our salvation, is nearer now than when we first believed. Let's pray. Dear God, this is a <clears throat> maybe a sobering message, hopefully an eye-opening message that we need to wake up. We need to stop sleepwalking through life physically and spiritually, that we got to recognize that... Um, it's important that we make a decision to follow you. And, and if we continue to put that off, it may be too late. That we have a responsibility that you've given us. It's really um, an honor to go and, and share um, you with other people, to invite them on this journey with us. And that, um, again, it, it's fun. There, there are hard times uh, ahead of us, and there's suffering ahead of us. But when we do it with you... Um, Somehow there's a greater purpose to it all, and we thank you for that. We thank you that, um, Jesus, you care so much that you were willing to suffer for us so that we wouldn't have to suffer in the end. And um, I pray that we would see it as such and that we would look forward to that day when we come face to face with you. May we hear those words, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We ask it all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.